Good evening, and welcome to Cinema Death Cult. I'm your host, Adam Bolger. Tonight, we are gathered here together to discuss The Princess Bride, a 1987 comedy fantasy uh, movie directed by Rob Reiner. While it was initially a flop upon release, it grew to become a staple of family movie nights over time. I recently watched the movie with my daughter and my wife, and I was surprised at how well it held up in a lot of respects. But I was also surprised at how sort of it was told. It was told in this postmodern way that I forgot about. And I felt like the classic storytelling of it was strong enough on its own that the postmodernism was not necessary. And I'm going to expand on that idea, hopefully. But joining me to, on expanding that idea uh, is returning guest, uh, James Griffith. Uh, James, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. It's yeah. uh, fun to be back. So I kind of talked a little bit about my experience with The Princess Bride, but you, you, you recently rewatched it too. And you said mm -hmm. that you had, you had some kind of half-formed ideas. And before I kind of <laughs> launch into my whole thing, I wanted to get your... Your reaction? What do you think rewatching re it? Well, I mean, I, I I can't say that I was surprised that it held up because it's one of these movies that I, I think I watched it consistently enough as I got older. Yeah. Um, and all and also to be fair, I'm I'm a lifelong fan of swashbucklers and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that are there to get me no matter what. Yeah. Um. But the, the kind of half-formed ideas that actually are in line with your comment that yeah. you called it postmodern, because I went um, the the Rotten Tomatoes site in summarizing the critics' yeah. evaluation also called it postmodern. And I, I guess, yeah, I guess the main thing I was wondering is, what do you mean by postmodern? Yeah, that's I would really... ask Rotten Tomatoes this, but but that's an aggregate <laughs> aggregator, so you know. Well, I, it's I'm being a little lazy by calling it postmodern. I think because it's not this, it's it's not a story that's told like it's not a, it doesn't tell its story straight. You know, like mm -hmm. the, you have this framing device of mm -hmm. you know Peter Falk is a grandfather and um, Fred Fred what's his face the the Wonder Years kid Fred Savage. Fred Savage, yeah. yeah. It just got me too pretty hard, but we don't have to get into really? that. Really? Oh, I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, he got fired from the um, revamp of the Wonder Years after oh, a bunch of allegations. I did hear about that, and now I'm creeped out by my memories of Winnie. Yeah, I was. <laughs> my joke was, I hope no funny business happened to Peter Falk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I so yeah, so it has this framing device with Peter Falk, and it they keep intruding on it. So you don't just see the story. 
Mm-hmm. And it is, I mean, honestly, it is, it's not quite a postmodern device. It is that you are, it keeps you out of remove from the story, right? Okay. And then it comments okay. on the story itself. But it's it's okay. fun to call it postmodern, but it, yeah, I mean, it can be, it is almost a Brechtian device, but it's also something that, like, like if you read like uh, Heart of Darkness, you know, the Joseph Conrad book, which is not a postmodern book at all. No. You know, there is this thing, like it starts off like, uh people telling this story about this other thing that happened right yeah or yeah, even yeah. like bride of like i think uh, not bride but frankenstein is like that or you mm-hmm. know like there's some other thing about it there's a framework to it but yeah. it's but it the 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 reason why it, uh, it's postmodern i think it's a little bit wrong to call it that but it's that it's it doesn't it isn't a swashbuckler you know it it isn't a fairy tale that's just told with a straightforward narrative. Right. It has to have his framing device. Right. And like has the Seahawk or... Right, or Captain Blood, which yeah. I definitely want to talk about. Or Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, yeah, even Pirates of the Caribbean. Because I think in the 1980s, when it was made, you know, there's probably some... Well, there are two things. I think there's probably you, hesitation about making this a straightforward, you know, a swashbuckling pirate movie. I don't think there mm. was one. I think that most of the time that they had tried to do that, they had flopped, you know? Yeah, yeah. It was kind of a dead genre for a while, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I Like, I think that there was, like, a Gina Davis movie that was a pirate movie. Yeah, I, I, I tried watching it. Oh, it's not good? Mm. I wasn't in the mood. <laughs> I'll just yeah. leave it at that. <laughs> I think yeah, I think there's some, been some a couple of like pirate movies that didn't make any money or like it kind of it it felt corny. I think yeah, like, yeah, you know, like doing like that Errol Flynn. Yeah, it's what your grandparents watched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's what your grandparents watched, and you you kind of and in the '80s you're kind of you know like well you're too smart for it, right? Yeah, you know, so you can't just tell this story. You got to have this kid and this grandpa and the kid kind of doing this commentary on it right and the grandpa you read the book right yeah because i've not read the book the book is a bit like that too the book is absolutely like this that was the second thing is that it is based on this book by william goldman who he also wrote the screenplay yes Uh, he wrote the screenplay and he he was a big screenwriter like he wrote yeah he wrote like all the president's men and stuff like that he did Probably, I don't know if he did that. He did Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Butch Cassidy, okay, yeah, yeah. He he wrote the novel of Marathon Man. Wow, which is actually a very good book. That's a oh, is it? And yeah, the movie's fantastic. Very, yeah, the movie's fantastic. Um, the book is great too. It's very very quick moving, um, mm-hmm. and you can see like how he could be a screenwriter from like reading it because it's all like very very like a. Uh, 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 each chapter like cuts between different characters. Like you'd have like the Dustin mm-hmm. Hoffman character in one thing, and then you have like, the Nazi guy, the Lawrence Olivier guy in the next yeah. chapter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can okay. see it's almost like a movie cutting between, you know, you can see like the like how it is this quick moving, swift moving story. Right. Um, but then he wrote uh The Princess Bride. And yeah, I read the book. And the book, I so the 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 book does this other thing that's very interesting. And I think the book is probably, you could say, is postmodern. Because mm-hmm. the idea is that 
um, that it's a abridged version of another longer book. Yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. framing device okay. of the book that um, that the idea is that there was a guy named Morgan Stern who wrote this book called The Princess Bride. And then right. when William Goldman was a kid, his father read it to him when he had pneumonia. And but his father, uh, while reading it, only read the good parts. So the actual <laughs> book is this like long satirical history of this fictional European country and okay. all this like little judgment about like uh, all the political figures and all the historical figures and, you know, all this cultural stuff. And then William Goldman just cuts all that out, except for the the parts about the princess and the sword play and the little story and stuff. And so, like, and when you're reading it, he, you know, he, it's the the story that's familiar from the movie, for largely. And then it gets then he puts in parentheses or italics like this is where there are eighty page eighty pages that Morgan Stern wrote about women's hats. <laughs> which was supposed to be satirical at, at the time. Great. Yeah. But good God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and um and it's kind of and it's kind of funny. Uh and he's like, well no, but you really just want to get to the good parts. And again, this sort of like him being a screenwriter, like you see him like writing for that Hollywood thing where you kind of have like 90 minutes to tell this. Yeah, yeah. Not, tell this story and you really want to cut down everything but but the story and the characters and you want to have this like kind of perfect screenplay thing where it's this three-act right. structure and like you know like you know the 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 action is set in the first 30 minutes and then like you know and so then there's so forth like it's very like right. rigidly structured you know right right you know, uh to be an effective like visual story and stuff um and so you could see where that comes through, but it also, it is like a little, it might be a little bit of cowardice. It feels like, because you like, I think it's a great story. I mm -hmm. think that it is, it is just this great little story with a lot of great parts and it all holds together. But I feel like he didn't have the courage just to simply tell this story mm -hmm. and instead had to dress it up with all this other crap and then like in and in the book like he kind of it reads almost like it like reading an email from a friend is very casually voiced and a lot of casual little asides and like a lot of little use of like jokey parentheses and things like that okay. and so you know reading it in in 2022 where we've had decades of reading emails from friends you know <laughs> You, you know, you kind of see that and you're like, eh, okay, you know, like, right, I get right, it. Right. but it feels a little bit lazy. Like it feels like a little mm. too casual and lazy for a book. Um, even though I think he's a very good, I think he's a good writer and stuff. I mean, RIP, by the way, I found he's dead. Um, oh. yeah. yeah, I mean, he's a very talented storyteller and very talented yeah. writer. Yeah, but yeah. like, you know, you read it and, and I think probably in the 1970s when it came out, um, there was nothing around like it. Yeah, you know this voice probably seemed very novel and very engaging, yeah. uh, but now it just you're like you're you're for a modern audience, you know, you're so you think used it's a bit dated. It. Yeah, it dates it in a surprising way. But, but also, you, and but also, do you like, think that the movie feels dated because of yes, that framing? 
for for a, a similar reason. Okay. Uh, because they the they too were it's a little bit of cowardice. Like they didn't just want to have a straightforward story about mm. this princess and all you know the giant and swordplay and a swashbuckling thing. Mm-hmm. So they put in like all this '80s stuff, this '80s framework, right? Well, so it does want... open with uh, what is that? RBI Baseball. Yes, it the opens. Opening. The first thing you see is an old school Nintendo game. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's pure nostalgia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. just straight into the veins, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Fred Savage is my age, which shocked me. I know, I know. I, know. I, I, know I, I, I can't, I can't go back and watch the Wonder Years for exactly that reason. Yeah, yeah. I, it's, I mean, that's like too much. It's this, that's like nostalgia burden uh, stacked on nostalgia. You know. I know. Um, but yeah. So, but all that stuff, like we, there's a, we have to make this relevant for modern audiences, right? So they put in all this like '80s stuff, and they break through the tax. You know, they break into the movie. Like you know, like the it's, it's yeah. Like, although although my favorite moment of that has always been always yeah. Uh, so I I actually I didn't see the movie in theaters. Did you? No, okay, I don't yeah. think a lot of people did. I think it, I think it, it was hit a on like HBO bomb, yeah. and video. I saw it because one of my junior high teachers showed it to us on like the last day of school. Kind oh, it's like a treat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I never heard of it, and I was completely blown away yeah and in fact and you know of course fred savage is my age i'm having like half the reactions he's having like is this a kissing book kind of thing yes yeah but but my favorite moment even from the first time i watched it is when uh the grandson says i told you she'd never marry humperdinck and peter falk the grandfather says um yes you're very clever shut up yes and they don't and there's not another i don't think there's another moment no, where they where they come in until the very end. Yeah, and it like, drops which, away. But also does something really cool at the very end in coming back, where the grandfather ends before the yeah. kiss, and then they go back, and then they come back again. They yeah. come back to the the reading scene again. Yeah, yeah. This is why I think it's dated because there's that stuff, and I think that they they had to do it to make it seem modern in 1987. But now since then you know we had we're we're readier now to accept these fantasy stories because after yeah. like you know we had like the big Arts lord the of the rings movies lord of the rings yeah game of thrones game of thrones, thrones yeah we're ready but, to, we're not going to reject it in the way that like audiences did but that it's a very simple story yes yeah it's and in a way that i'm not so sure that contemporary even contemporary audience i think they would find it dated and what did what did what did your daughter think? That's yeah, that's what I wanted to say. You know, what was so funny, like there's this it it opens so well. I mean, it is such a simple story, and it's such so clean. It's yeah, so yeah. fucking clean and yeah. no uh, perfect and, beat by beat. You know, yeah, it's so engaging. Yeah, yeah. beat by and a, a, the characters are terrific. You know, and I think like like incredible throwaway line. I mean, it's always called one of the most quoted movies. Because oh, yeah. I mean, it's crazy how like you my remember name is every Amanda line Montoya. of dialogue. Of course, yeah. yeah. I barely had to watch it. I was I know. like saying it. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. Like, oh yeah, reading the book that was one of the nicest things. Was sort of like, oh, this these the, the things they say in the movie are in the book, like line for <laughs> line. And I don't know why that seemed so like it wouldn't. I don't know why why that which was, is 
Because you know There's you twinkle like something like, like, <laughs> like you seem like a you seem like a nice fellow. I I I'm sorry. I hate, I hate, I hate to kill you. Kill you. I mean, you, you seem like a nice fellow. I hate to die. You almost the way it's said, you'd think that just was an improv, like a riff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then yeah. seeing it in the book, I'm like, no, it just that's the thing that was written. Those are yeah. that was the text, you know. But this is what was so interesting and what kind of sparked off this whole journey of exploring this thing was my daughter is watching. And so in the beginning, it starts off with Buttercup. And I want to talk about her a lot more later. But um, so the the romance, the beginning, which is so beautiful. And, you know, Mark nice Mark Knopfler from the fucking Dire Straits did the music. <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden, the music's not consistently great. But the guitar work, the little guitar in air, those scenes, it's it's really wonderful. Oh, it's beautiful! Like I listen yeah. to it, I listen to the soundtrack, like that song, just to like hear it without the movie, like mm-hmm. just to judge it as a song. And I put it on just like in the middle of the day, and I sort of had to like stand up and walk around. Um, I, I was like, this is a moving piece of music. It's beautiful. Like and it, like it really is. Like it's another little hidden little treasure of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, and as like, soon as you hear it, you can see the, you know, the kiss coming and stuff. Yeah, like that. and it's that beautiful landscape and that wonderful, yeah, yeah. you know, tracking shot. And you know, you're like, where was this filmed? You know, there's and these two a- actors in it. It's all so well done. And then like that's the they cut to Fred Savage saying, "Oh, is this a kissing book?" So from that swelling beauty. And it's kind of funny, you know, it's kind of funny to have that little break. I guess you can call it a breaking device, maybe. Not, I mean, maybe not really, but it's sort of like this is a break in the story. It's something mm-hmm. that seems postmodern, again, but probably really isn't. Um, you know, the comment- commenting on it and trying to get yeah. like audiences to, con- trying to convince audiences to accept this story. Mm-hmm. But, and this is, but this is the thing, like, it, I think my daughter was really disappointed by that. Because she was on board with it. She yeah. accepted it. And I'm like, and I was saying, like, I accept it too. And she's how old now? She's eight. Okay. Yeah. I mean, because I was 12 or 13, maybe. Yeah, probably 12 or 13. Yeah. Exactly Fred Savage's age. Yeah. Yeah, she's eight. And I loved it. And I still love it. Because I'm yeah. like, it's a good question because that always annoyed you know my my mom's favorite movie was the quiet man oh yeah which i do which i do love as it's, a movie. that's a wonderful movie it is it's but it's yeah. you know it's not your what you're expecting when you start watching a john wayne movie <laughs> no um and all her other favorite movie was the sound of music which yeah. i've watched again in the last handful of years once or twice and also a great film great film. Um, a little bloated Oh. yeah a little yeah it's a long um, movie and but you know the parts but, you know that, the parts that you remember are wonderful right. the rest of it you're like eh, yeah. but the 12 or 13 year old boy was not gonna go for you know i i'm i was fully on board with the moments and stuff like the never-ending story which was yeah. like one of my favorite movies when i was a kid yeah um the kind of romantic scenes but it didn't start with yeah. romance you know well, you the story, just that. as an aside that's that's another interesting book source material thing to read if you ever oh is it okay yeah because i also did not know that was a book <laughs> it was a book and it's a really interesting book because they only have the first half of the story of the book story in the movie and that's the why they had to do half. part two what's that 
That's why they had to do part two. Well, no, the, but it's different because the second half of the book, as I recall, is something like they have to undo everything that happens in the story <laughs> in the first part. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of, it is pretty interesting. It's more interesting than you would, uh, you might suspect. Okay. But, um, but my so, daughter, like, when after we watched The Princess Bride, we talked about it. And she was like, yeah, I really wish there's more of that stuff in the beginning of the the romance. And I was like, interesting. But the know. closing moment is, I still think, one of the greatest descriptions of a kiss that I've come across. I don't remember what they say. It's something like there are in the his since in the history in since the kiss was invented, yeah. there have been five kisses that were deemed the most pure, the most passionate. This left them all behind. Yes, that's that's good. It's really <laughs> good. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah. So she wanted more. I mean, that's and that's speaks to how effective it is because it goes yeah. by very quickly yeah yeah and sketched out mi minimal and minimal detail you know mm -hmm. uh but it's it's you know it sticks with you and you kind of want to be there longer you want to be in that moment longer mm -hmm. you know and but it's also like but it shows that she was just she she didn't need the intrusion of peter mm -hmm. Falk and 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 Fred okay. savage and the way I think it helps, it probably helped us at the time, because you know, it again, like definitely helped me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it still helps me. Because <laughs> yeah. it's sort of like, and when you watch Marvel movies, this is what I was thinking. This is the modern version that they wouldn't, they don't like, um, you know, it's like your name is Doctor Octopus. Oh right, no, right. you know, it's like, oh what, I'm supposed to fight a dragon now? You know, it's, right. it's this sort of quippy, uh, really. The kind of call out to the absurdity or whatever They're calling out the absurdity of it and yeah and, you know to make audiences be more on board with the absurd reality the absurd situation that they're portraying so that okay. this is sort of similar to i think it's akin to that but yeah yeah i can see that part of the reason i was asking like what makes a pomo to use you know postmodern is a term and so it is a vague term and it means yeah. different things in different disciplines and um there's all there's always the great line from mo in a simpsons episode where uh mo's becomes a hangout for art house douchebags yes. and he says it's 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 pomo <laughs> what postmodern <laughs> all right weird for the sake of weird <laughs> and like, yeah and that you know that's that's one way that it, but in so in philosophy um it has a little bit more of a strict definition than it well than that. Yeah. And I was yeah. I wasn't sure if, if it has a similar kind of strictness in literature. I mean, it seems to usually be like the kind of meta self-reference moments. Yes. Yeah. But Gem what got me kind of intrigued by the thought is both that but also the tendency. It's also used poorly and vaguely in philosophy too. So but it means, roughly speaking, because um, it's coming from um, Jean Baudrillard's book, *The Postmodern Condition*. Yeah. He was he was commissioned to to write a book on the state of science in the late seventies, early eighties by I think the government of Quebec. Yeah, and he realized that in reading tons and tons of science from the seventies and the eighties, that um, 
grand narratives are done. Like the science doesn't contribute to them anymore and doesn't have a drive. Uh, and so he's, and that's the mark of modernity, you know, Marx, Darwin, whatever you want to throw out there, that we're headed towards some goal yeah. and some massive historical schema. And it just doesn't work anymore or it's not believed in anymore. Um, so when <laughs> that was the kind of idea of postmodern that I had yeah. in the back of my head. And then I realized when it flipped into the story itself, yeah. Um, in particular, because then it started occurring to me, like, think about how many different kind of strands of literary history they're grappling with simultaneously, yeah. literary and real political history, right? There's the the Hollywood history, yeah, Swashbuckler, yeah. Um, there's the 19th century romanticization of the renaissance and yeah. the and the late medieval and era yeah chivalry, yeah all 90% of that stuff is from the 19th century yeah when they started making uh, follies on english estates these things that were built to look like ancient ruins in the 19th century and stuff like that yeah 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 cuz that's informing all of these swashbucklers from the silent era in the through what probably the 50s or something like that yeah probably around then yeah i don't know like when when errol flynn stopped being relevant i don't know yeah uh, i think he made it into the 50s generally. yeah yeah um then you've got the the history of the fairy tale itself yes which is already a weird and interesting complex literary history because yeah the, the fairy tales, not just the Brothers Grimm, right? Because the Brothers Grimm like went into the, you know, talked to peasants in Germany and gathered these kind of old folk tales. But there's yeah. also another major source for this is Charles Perrault, okay. who was a late 17th century French writer. Yeah. Um, who took a bunch of Italian stories and um, that were in like the 1690s or something like that. Yeah. And he censored those because they were too crazy and violent for the French in the 1690s. Yeah, yeah. And that's another major source for like Disney movies, which of course yeah. is also now coming, you know, all of this is sitting in the background of the story. Yeah. And then when when he announced, I did my dorky, um, this isn't historically accurate kind of thing in my head where yeah. the, the prince announces that he's going to marry a commoner and i was like no he couldn't he just then literally he would not have been able to <laughs> and, then, and then i just started thinking about it like why am i doing first of all why am i doing that Second yeah, yeah. well they're playing on all of this i mean the the two countries are florin and gilder that's currency that's yeah, like coins. renaissance italian currency yeah yeah they're coins um, or maybe also gilder might have been a northern european thing but yeah i mean so like that's where i started to think the commentary is actually kind of the the framing device and the and the breaks are kind of interesting in the sense that they give you a moment to kind of be like, oh yeah, and we're in the late twentieth century, <laughs> right? Like yeah. we're not like the fa the fantasy of all of these things, the the um, the fairy tale, the folk tale, 
the 19th century then romanticization of these yeah. romances uh and then the early 20th century history of film yeah at least first half of the history you know they're kind of pulling on all of those threads simultaneously yeah which you can really only get away with when you're talking to a 12 year old boy <laughs> yeah well but it's but i think and yeah, yeah, sorry I, this is the other part because this is i have a i have a slight bugaboo about framing devices like this being considered postmodern because considering it postmodern i feel like is a bit of a like a i mean have you read like uh jacques the fatalist or some of those early 18th century novels they're fucking bonkers oh yeah yeah, like yeah. all they're all over the place with like you know dear reader and then like the character is real not you know jacques the fatalist is a story of a guy who's trying to tell a story and he keeps getting interrupted with yeah. the story <laughs> yeah and he yeah, never yeah. tells a story yeah or um uh i think tom tom uh yeah there's one there's a uh, there's a really good example of that it's just on the tip of my tongue but um oh, fuck. but yeah. uh, uh, never mind but which i guess is what gold who's the author Goldman. Gold. Goldman, Goldman is referencing, right? Because there's huge chunks of like Robinson Crusoe or whatever that are, you know, they're not the most exciting parts of the novel. Yeah, <laughs> Tom yeah. Jones. That was the one I was thinking of. Tom Jones. Yeah, like they're yeah, not, yeah. not. They're not the most exciting parts of the novel, but they're. Yeah. If you get into the political, if you know something about the social or political history, they're actually pretty funny, in the way that a joke about social mores seven hundred three four five hundred years ago in another country in another language yes. you know is funny like <laughs> yeah that's pretty good but, but you know because uh, you you know all like the the you're way more conversant with like, the errol flynn movies than i am <laughs> i've only seen a couple of them but the one i watched uh, that i watched last week and after watching watching the princess bride was captain blood mm -hmm. and that was very just to bring in like the cutting it down to the good parts it just shows <laughs> the flaw of that approach because like captain blood like what i was saying before about like the structure of the screenplay and everything has to be the story has to be set up in the first half an hour and yeah, then yeah. you know everything kind of spills from that and then escalating tension whatever that absolutely does not happen at all in captain blood and the movie is so much better for it because you spend like the like it's a movie about like him becoming a pirate it's like why it's like captain blood but right. it's an hour of setup in a two-hour yeah. movie yeah yeah he's he a doctor to... and then he's captured and sold or he's sold into slavery slavery yeah yeah, yeah. it takes yeah. a full hour before they get to it like get on a ship and they're in charge of stuff <laughs> When are they going to and, get to the fireworks factory? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But but it doesn't. But that's but the 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 impatience to get to the fireworks factory doesn't come into play because everything that happens in that setup is interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. All, like yeah. that's probably the best part of the movie, and it's incredible. I guess you're yeah. like these guys are. Yeah, and now that you really... say that, I barely, I, I don't even really remember the second half of the book so, or the movie that well because, like. Yeah, the setup is is crazy good. The setup is bonkers, and it's yeah. like he's sold into slavery in the first like ten minutes of the movie. Right. And I'm just and like, what the? It felt like the first thirty more before. minutes. Like, yeah, I'm like, what? Slavery. What else is gonna happen? Like, <laughs> what else is gonna fucking happen in this movie? And um, <laughs> and then and an even 
and it's very and it's amazing because it even it's not like a realistic movie because it's <laughs> no. Well, the book, but you know what? The the book <coughs> it was based on was trying to be a little bit historically more historically accurate, okay. evidently than other than other works of its time. Um, but even but then, then this like, is also like this is these are the things that I was thinking about when I you know when they get to the I will marry a commune. Like, no, you're not, dude. You're not yeah. going to marry a commune. You would not have been able to pull that off. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, that's the other thing. Like, I was watching. Yes, then Captain Blood. Like, the end of it is like. Because you want you want to have like the good guy win and have him be like in a triumphant position of power, but then he's like, so he's an Irish guy, and then at the and then he's like, oh, the old king it was so bad, he's gone, and now the good well, king William. I looked it up, yeah. and that's the glorious revolution, and it was like William of Orange, and yeah. the, the whole like he was like he booted out the Catholics. And brought in William of Orange? No, 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 no. William of Orange signed the letters who did toleration. He was influenced by law. Oh, okay. Well, whatever. But, but my point is, like, then there's this whole other <laughs> fucking history yeah, to but it. But he got the throne through an act of treason. But he was invited. He was invited by he was invited by Parliament to invade. Oh, I'm glad you know this because I was reading this and I'm like, I love history, but this is this is where I can't oh, do it. This is where the yeah, well, it's beyond my capabilities. On, I work on Hobbes, and so I've had yeah. to kind of teach myself. And the history of England from the, the invasion of the Spanish Armada, which is the context of the Seahawk, the other great Errol Flynn, yeah, 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 up until the uh, William and Mary, is insane. Yeah, there is so much going on there. It's so fucking confusing, and it's so much at like... the same time that the Thirty Years' War is happening and. In, on the continent so it's yeah. it's a really insane point in history but yeah but so then that again that speaks against the um william goldman's like only the good parts ethos because this is very that was all very interesting and always very like engaging. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and but also it's the nerd fun of, too i mean bear that? in mind it's nerd fun too yeah 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 but also the stuff like one of my favorite scenes in in captain blood uh was when like the lady the slave he's sold in a slave auction and the cute little lady who becomes like you know the love interest or whatever olivia de like, what's that it's olivia de Havilland. yes exactly yeah. it's just like in later movies with them and stuff she plays maid marion and um Robin. Yeah, yeah yeah she hated him too she hated errol flynn <laughs> yeah really oh. <laughs> she thought he was a scumbag uh, i'm sure he was oh yeah he totally was <laughs> yeah he's got that you know he's got that he's got that smile and that stash how, yeah yeah exactly. how, how could anybody resist yeah the um well and she buys she buys him and it's sort of like this you know snappy little hollywood uh you know like snappy dialogue and it's like oh it's a fun little thing i'm buying you and you know you seem like whatever but it's like lady i'm a fucking slave you're you're fucking buying me you're buying ownership of me i'm a fucking slave you know and he kind of treats it like like that and she's trying to like oh this jolly little you know but meanwhile isn't there at least one scene where he's doing that while standing next to a black kid who's very clearly also a slave yeah (laughs) there's some it's it's a little fucked up because the thing that's really his there you know no there weren't really white slaves that and these guys in real life, there were similar incidents, but they were probably indentured servants. They're not even that; they're just a hard labor. Yeah, actually, like prisoners. No, I mean, it, hard since labor. he was since he was convicted for, uh, yeah, it's he was a prisoner of hard labor. Yeah, because yeah. but since he was convicted for um, 
treason, wrongly convicted for treason under a, what's his name? It's possible that it would have been like a lifetime of hard labor, which the difference between that and, I mean, you can get in debates about it. The yeah. difference between that and and race based slavery, which yeah, yeah. So you were talking about the um, sort of reality blips that the one that irks me is when they mention Australia. Oh, because everybody, it's people with criminals. Yeah, well, no, because I don't. Would they have known about Australia? No. Yeah, there's no Australia no. to these. People. Or they might have, you know, somehow accidentally heard about it somewhere, but no. Yeah. It certainly wasn't a prison colony at that point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that's that, the part. That historical moment. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you guys, you, know, you don't know where the fucking Australia is, man. Yeah. The, uh, there's, but there's also, I mean, one of the famous ones is Vizini, uh, uh, Sean's character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Says that you fell for one of the classic blunders. The most famous is never get involved in a land war in Asia. Yes. And, and that's like a U.S. military adage. <laughs> like, the, yeah. like, Eisenhower maybe said or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. MacArthur or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it's, it's a yeah. It's, you that's <laughs> something that, that was surprisingly directly from the book. Mm -hmm. All that stuff too, and also that, really, that really scene wanted, does feel a little writerly to me as far as the movie goes. But I but I love it partly because I just really like Wallace Shawn. Yes, yeah. I mean that that's part of where maybe some of the laziness I was talking about creeps in a little bit. Okay. That, yeah. That seems like you know if you, maybe you could have gone through a second draft with that a little bit, but it's still it, it goes by quick enough, and it's it's very memorable and it's very good. Yeah. 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 I guess you know you. I think his. I think it's wrong to interrogate the reality of. <laughs> it is a pure story. That's the whole yeah, thing yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. And again, like fucking like Wallace Shawn is about as Sicilian looking as, <laughs> as a bowl of oatmeal. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, they're not really trying on that score. No. I mean, it is fun. You know, it's... <clears throat> you think, like, oh, cancel culture is going to catch up to... Um, uh, 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 what's his face? Uh, why am I blanking on his name? In, in, in Digo Matoya, who's the actor, is the Broadway Oh, uh, Manny Patinkin. Manny Patinkin, yeah. He's yeah. like... He's, he's Manny Patinkin, you know, put it is his outrageous Spanish accent. <laughs> yeah, that's... but you know, why don't you go after Basil Rathbone for his French accent in one of the other swashbucklers? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't, <coughs> it doesn't make, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, I would, I think it's relatively, con he's consistently, he doesn't fall in and out of it. No, he's really good. He, his, he's terrific. He's terrific. And it really set me up for like really for not understanding who Mandy Patinkin was at all. Because I, I had no he... idea that he was that he was Inigo Montoya. I was watching what's that really creepy show about serial killers? Like the FBI group tracks oh. serial killers. He was in that. Oh, okay. <laughs> like it was in the nineties or early aughts or something like that. Oh right. somebody told me he was Inigo Montoya. I'm like, Dear what? And then yeah, there he is. Yeah. And he's a, like a Broadway singer kind of guy i think so yeah I mean, yeah. he's one of these triple threat types i think yeah yeah and he's um and he's on that show homeland that about like maybe that's what i was watching yeah the one with uh the 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 the, the redheaded actress who who was on my so-called life claire danes 
Yes, that's the one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, anyway, yeah. And all the actors, they're all, they're all very good, but none of them are, except for Wesley. Except for Wesley, I forget the actor's name. He was uh, Carrie always. Carrie always. He is one of. He's like a Mark Hamill kind of guy because he had like he was so good in his breakthrough role that he could uh, never be cast again. Yeah, he screwed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like I'm sorry, yeah. buddy. You're. You well, did a, it helps. It helps that he's a, nearly a dead ringer for Errol Flynn. It's amazing. It's truly like, it's, amazing. It's spooky how how like classic hollywood handsome he is yeah and he gets all the mannerisms and somehow yeah. he's able to pull it off without seeming like like it's fake yeah 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 and he, with a wink and a nod which is exactly what errol flynn does but a exactly. wink and a nod to errol flynn yeah. yeah and he and he has and he perfectly calibrates that like it's not too even though yeah. it's a super ironic movie yeah. you know it's super like removed like he is Little wink and an eye, but also sincere, and you believe him. Like it's not like you don't feel like he's. Yeah. Um... I see. I think the whole film's like that. This is because when I was doing a little research, I read uh, Ebert's Roger Ebert's review of it at the yeah. time, and he closes by saying, "Like for all of the, like he he notes that." Um, as soon as Peter Falk enters the scene, there's there's a note of cynicism. cynicism. Yeah, you, know, you can't hear that voice without hearing. I contest that a little bit, but that's partly because of Peter Falk's performance in um, Wings of Desire. Yeah, uh, have you seen that? The yeah, uh, yes, the Vin Vendors film. Yes, and he has that great monologue where he's speaking to the angel. I can't see it, but I know you're there. Yeah, kind of thing. Like. That's right. That's right. So I, I mean, I disagree with Ebert on that point, but um, but he closed Ebert closes by saying, like, for all of it, for all the winks and nods and like kind of pomo devices and all the kinds of jokes that the adults are gonna get, it holds on to that innocence. Yeah. Like it's still it's still a really wonderful little story that you can genuinely imagine a grandfather reading. Or telling yeah. his grandson it's and, and also this was the one thing I, I really did want to make sure i said the thing that i noticed this time that i don't remember ever noticing before is that um the last line of the film and peter falk's delivery of it is heartbreakingly beautiful as you wish as you wish after fred oh, yeah. sa- after the grandson says can you read it back to me tomorrow all of a sudden it clicked me clicked with me because like at the beginning you know it's all as you wish as you wish is this i what he is really saying is i love you oh yeah okay on one level that's that's kind of a a throwaway how else are you going to close this movie thing but it also kind of clicked with me everything about the the story is about true love oh yeah everything driving the plot is true love yeah and his grandfather didn't just now say I love you in the throwaway way that you can say to any family member and mean it, but it's still yeah. a little throwaway. Yeah. It's like, this is one of the most purely loving relationships that human beings oh, like, yeah, just sheer giving kind of thing in general. Cause you know, mm-hmm. you're not raising the kid. Well, okay. That grandfather is not raising <laughs> the kid or whatever, but it, like, this is pure love. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
and also that 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 informs Indigo Montoya because he's driven by mm-hmm. you know, revenge. For, ah, yeah, yeah, for his father. And when, you know, what's the last? You know, he says like, "Offer me everything. Offer me riches. Offer me this. I want oh, my, my father." father. Yeah. And when Wesley is being tortured, when Humperdinck jacks up the the machine yeah. to ten or twenty or whatever, yeah. Um, in Inigo, when in the entire village or kingdom or whatever hears it, yeah. Uh, Inigo Montoya says, "My heart made that sound when my father died." Yes. Yeah, and you also have um, the pure love of friendship between. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Fezzik. Fezzik and everyone. <laughs> everyone. Fezzik just loves everyone. But I think, well, I, I I, think it's a little bit more specific. I think he's very friendly, but I think he's, you see like uh, uh, Vizzini abusing mm-hmm. him and mm-hmm. belittling him and having yeah. him under his thumb, making him feel, you know, small, like making him feel stupid and whatever. But like... Um, and saying you need me, and you, and he says you were you were friendless. He makes that a point to say ah, you were right. friendless at the beginning, That's right? And then almost yeah. a mean, and it's sad. You feel sad for him. You see, like Vizini is such an asshole. Yeah. And then, um, but then they don't say they don't say. But now you have a friend, and it's an Ingo Motoya, and you guys are friends. Instead, right. they just show him. They do the rhyming game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They start and playing you, around, and they start doing the rhyming thing. Which is you see their friendship through that, mm-hmm. you see the joy of it, and you see like this the 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 connection between the two of them, right? And which Rosini like, immediately has to try to stop stamp out. Yeah, which means like <laughs> no more rhymes, and I mean it. Has anybody got a peanut? It took me years to figure out what Andre the Giant was saying there. I I actually had to look up the script. I still. Yeah. I still the uh is his voice becomes like a, well his whole his body everything about him is like a perfect special effect yeah. know, the, he really was enormous yeah i watched the there's an okay documentary on hbo about andre the giant hmm. it's pretty interesting because he really you know, he's just an enormous man and he was yeah everybody loved him you know he was, and he was very, really really nice apparently yeah it was super nice yeah it's great i mean it's sort of like and then you had that very charming smile and that mm-hmm. wonderful voice of his. Yeah, and I was yeah. almost, I was thinking, watching the movie, like, that must have been an interesting thing for an audio mixer to deal with. Like, what do they do? Like, you know, uh, how do they, because it sounds almost like, not unnatural, but it sounds different than like, you know, a voice in a movie. Like, he yeah, comes in yeah. and says, well, and it would sound different because his chest cavity is gargantuan. His sinus like, yeah. There's a lot of echo to work with. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and one, but then once that goes through, that sound goes through a microphone and gets yeah. you know processed and everything. Like it, that must. That's interesting to me. Like it says, I would like to, I would like to talk to the guy who did the sound on that. That'd be a fun, a fun <laughs> that's afternoon. The next, that's the next podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but everything you know, also like just stuff like casually like um. Like where you know you're watching it. Where was this filmed? What you know? Where what country uh, is this? And England. It's, yeah, it's know. rural England, which is surprising. Yeah, yeah some English. Country. I actually there was maybe this is too much Lord of the Rings or whatever, but I kind of assumed it was like Greenland or me Iceland too. or something at one point. Yeah, me too. Zealand. I was like, yeah, I thought it was like New Zealand for sure, but yeah, no, just like rural England. I was very surprised. Uh, but yeah, Andre the Giant is so terrific and. 
but again like that's the friendship there mm-hmm. is so like you know because yeah Vizini talks about how he says that uh Fezzik was friendless and he said mm-hmm. that um Indigo Montoya was a man without hope and he was a drunkard yeah. and you know and he was <laughs> he had nothing too but right. then you see that they they have each other yeah and their friendship yeah yeah and so yeah so it's all like you know it's not the same intensity of true love but you know, so. <laughs> that was part, that's part of, to me that's the one part of the movie that does not hold up is the billy crystal bullshit thing because i don't i don't like billy crystal too much i think yeah i wanted to i i wanted i want to say that it holds up but i don't think it does no. at the end it's a little it's a little too uh borscht belt yeah and i mean it's great and i love carol kane too and yeah I apparently love they ad libbed a handful of their lines and stuff yeah which you know i don't, I felt like the maybe don't have him in the makeup i don't know like there's something about that you need it for the movie and it's really great it's really great in that sense but oh yeah the one thing is that in the book this is a lot more clear that miracle max had worked for the king like you know the the yeah. ancient old yeah, yeah, king? Yeah, yeah 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 so he was the guy keeping the king alive and then, and then this, oh man i didn't click it, I don't think it's in the, the movie. The Humperdinck fired him, and then the old king dies. Yes. Oh, man, I didn't even think about that. Because that shows the treachery of Humperdinck, too. Yeah. He's orchestrating this stuff. Right. Um, I have a wedding to plan, my wife to murder. Yes. <laughs> Swamp. I know. I don't think the king, the king might not die. He, I think that might just happen in a dream, in the dream, that the nightmare of uh, that buttercup. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When that she gets food. Yeah, I forget if he if the king dies. Or right, not. he's okay. trying to get him to die. No, 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 he doesn't die. Yeah, yeah, because because they're at the wedding and, and yeah, and uh, she talks he, to him. He's all excited that she kissed him. <laughs> also, one of my she kissed me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean everything and every little grace. It's every scene is memorable because I was like, even when they get to the wedding, I was like. Is this one of those movies? Because there's a couple movies where you, there's like a wedding scene. There's like a weird preacher. Or yeah, oh no, yeah, you know yeah. what I think of? I think of Brian, uh, Life of Brian, when the guy comes out and has the terrible stutter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get and those... well at this point, anytime a preacher comes out in a wedding scene, all I can think is Peter Cook. <laughs> yeah, is that Peter Cook? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, yeah. Mallage. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't he doesn't bring they cut away. Love. Love. <laughs> and it comes out of nowhere. You know? yeah. It just comes out of his like, hey, and then And this is the moment when you're supposed to be most scared for Princess Buttercup and like Yeah. And uh, like <laughs> Yeah, that's so great. It's so yeah, because every, every scene, even that's memorable. Because that could be another scene that doesn't have to be. Yeah, yeah. But that's <laughs> memorable and beautiful. And yeah, so it's it's all like that's why the other thing I was thinking about. I really like Buttercup as a character, which is like now we're more kind of aware of you know having like women have an agency as characters in movies. Mm. You want to have like strong female characters or whatever and i and and i think that maybe people wouldn't see that in her but i think that she's more 
what I like about her character is that she she has a rich internal life that's in the movie. It's in the story because she starts like it starts off with her being mean to Wesley. She's like being a being a bitch, you know, and then she falls in love with him. And you and it's convincing this change of of thinking, this interior, this interior change that's happening with her. That's very and that's a lot of character that that's not that's not in a lot of movies you know and and just that's the that's the starting place and that's interesting there's also um hmm. I, so, I think it's so some, her so her change sets everything into motion it absolutely does yeah that's right yeah plot in terms of the plot yeah you're right I yeah about that. so her change and uh then she I think that like if they re if they made that movie today, they would have to give her an action scene or something. At the very least, she'd have to hit somebody over the head of the frying pan or something. <laughs> yeah, which yeah. She, you know, she never does or but but I think she almost kills herself. She almost yeah, exactly. She I think that she understands how limited her options are. And this is what makes this is why I really like her too. She understands how few hmm. options that she has. And she which is really, historically accurate. <laughs> which is historically accurate, but also yeah. true to the. It makes for interesting storytelling thing too. That's interesting. She, yeah. Okay. She, oh, go she, ahead. Sorry. She, no, no, it's fine. But it, she recognizes how little choice that she has, and within that framework, she makes bold choices, and she's very brave. Yeah. She's very, very brave about it. Like I'm going to kill myself, uh, or whatever. Even like just threatening that. Right. Because you know? uh, that's the only choice that she really has. Yeah. Uh, so she she really does that. So she doesn't have to hit somebody in the head of the frying pan. You know? She does have that. Okay. Yeah. That. That's that a, yeah. I hadn't thought about that. That's so. I'm I'm kind of intrigued. <laughs> kind of intrigued by this because, um, you know, one of the there were. I remember years ago I read some whatever piece of shit article um, about how like. Oh, did I, is Holly, something I wrote? No, no. <laughs> well, maybe I don't know. I don't yeah, remember. Probably, I don't yeah. remember. <laughs> yeah, it was something about how like um, Americans are obsessed with princess movies in a way that oh, isn't yeah. the case in British film. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Which is in which like is in line with like the classic seventeenth, fifteenth century fairy tale because like the two yeah. main lines are either restoration to royal power or whatever yeah. or poverty poverty to wealth you know that's, yeah. those are the those are what all the stories are about or the bulk of them um and like one of the things that sometimes people get annoyed with with like disney adaptations especially in like the 60s or 50s or whatever yeah but also like the seahawk and, and captain blood and stuff is that um you know they're really a, for that contemporary audience yeah yeah, like Seahawk is evidently a, a blatantly um, pro-English propaganda for like world get people. Yeah, on board yeah, world yeah. World yeah, the, yeah. There's a speech at the end um, that is about how like no no man uh, rules owns the world or something like that, and it's yeah. explicitly. I mean, the Blitz, if it wasn't happening, was about to happen. It was pretty jarring going from Captain Blood to the Seahawk, because in Captain Blood, the the villains are the English. And the, yeah. the Spanish yeah. are pretty chill. 
you got to keep track of your English nationalist mythology, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I mean, I just, you know, I'm just, you know, fuck, fuck them, you know, fuck, fuck the, Engl- you know, fuck the English, like the, yeah. you know, not regular English people, but the people, the, the king, <laughs> fuck the king, right. fuck the kings and the queens, you know, <laughs> fucking, you know, um, like, fuck everybody, you know, did the, did the famine, fuck them. Right. Fuck them forever. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so like, I mean, with with Buttercup, you're right. She she has very limited options, and that's yeah. actually historically accurate. Yeah. Um, but she's not a passive, especially in the suicide, or at least the yeah. threat of it. She's not because I never liked her in that in that opening scene. Even when I was a kid, she annoyed me. Yeah, well, she is annoying. I mean, yeah. then she has a change of heart, you know. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's um, sort of that that seems also realistic for people in a way because i think that like you know when you're when you're young and you try out different things you know like okay i'm gonna try being mean for a while you know, <laughs> you know i'm gonna see what it's like to be a bitch i'm gonna see what it's like to be a jerk or an asshole right. or yeah, yeah. And, it, and i was like oh yeah no I, this seems like something real to me you know mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. which i liked a lot mm-hmm. and um also she's just so fucking pretty like robin robin, robin right yeah yeah like we <laughs> I mean, like it's it's amazing. Like I guess that, and that was her first movie. If it wasn't her first, it was one of her first. Yeah, yeah. it was definitely her first starring role. I think. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the other thing about Carrie Elway's, I was going to say before, was um, he's also in the uh, the Saw movies. He's in the first Saw movie. He he has a he has a repeating role in uh, the TV show Psych. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. He's put, he's put on some weight. <laughs> Oh, did he? Uh, yeah. In the Saw movies, he, he, uh, I don't want to linger on this too long, but it's a really bonkers cast in the first couple of them. It's like Danny Glover uh, and, and Carrie Elways. It's like the Lethal Weapon guy and <laughs> the Princess Bride. Bride guy. Yeah. And wow. I think he's, I've I never think seen any movie, of those movies. I think he's in a movie where like he is seduced by 14 year old, um, Alicia Silverstone. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like some, but she's evil. Like, like yeah, 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 like yeah, yeah. Crazy. It's totally not the adult male's fault. No. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's another cancel. I think culture. cancel culture is going after that one. Yeah, that's just going after that one for sure. I mean, even yeah, even Without just my like casual memory of it. I'm like, whoa, that's a weird premise. <laughs> uh, but um, no, the cast is so wonderful. But you know what's funny? Is that uh, so? It's the the Duke, the six fingered Duke, is mm-hmm. the fucking he's um, it's Spinal Death. Tap. Yeah, yeah, he's Spinal yeah. Tap. Uh, and all and all of those uh, improv movies. Yeah, yeah, like uh, Best in Show and Waiting for Guffman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's a fantastic comic Ama- actor. An amazing comic actor, one of the funniest guys yeah. ever. And um, you know, this was he went right from you know you watch spinal tap and that's all just off the dome riffage like him yeah, yeah. You know, going on you can't really dust for vomit you know like him <laughs> making that up on the spot and it's like the funniest shit ever you know of all time of all like the funniest things ever ever you know yeah. and and then he's in then you see him as the duke and he and it's funny because he just underplays that the whole time yeah 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 he, he he's He's accessing like Claude Rains hardcore. Is that is that another um that uh that's the uh he's the one who plays the um the 
the king in Robin Hood with Errol Flynn. Oh, okay, okay. Christopher Guest. That's the yeah, yeah. And he's the in Casablanca. He he's the uh, he's uh, the inspector. Yeah. The beginning of a beautiful friendship guy. Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. But you kind of expect him to be like he doesn't pop, which is it. I mean, it works for the for the movie. Yeah, I didn't. I it was years. It was it wasn't until years later that I realized. Similar with Manny Patinkin. Like I didn't know it was him. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and you'd also think that Andre the Giant would have been in way more movies. Like this is the Andre the Giant movie. He's <laughs> yeah. the only yeah. one. Like he, yeah. you know, you'd think that he that he would have just had that kind of like going from Arnold Schwarzenegger, going from Conan the Barbarian to yeah, that's right, everything else. Conan, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah, it turns out he's he's not a bad actor. No, he was very good. I mean, yeah. it's obviously, you know, you can't. You, you he's not classically a, trained. He's not classically trained. He's a, he's a limited amount of things you can put him <laughs> yeah. You know, he's not going to. I don't want to see him in a porno. <laughs> well, no, I was thinking more like, you know, he's he's not going to be like, um, you know, a private detective in the 1940s. <laughs> like, you know, you got to build a, a story although, around him. Although that might, that might be cool, too. <laughs> yeah, actually, that, that sounds like a really great movie. You know, I think <laughs> But you know, but you got to build the whole thing around him, and right. it, oh, this and this this was actually very something that it was very hard for me to accept this as a, a true fact. But it turns out Rob Reiner, the director of this movie, mm -hmm. he's a great fucking filmmaker. Yeah, he is. Uh, it does. It doesn't. It, you don't want to think of it because you think of his dumb face and shit. But <laughs> the record, the you got the record stands. His yeah. first movie, Spinal Tap. Spinal Tap, yeah. Yeah, Spinal Tap, Princess Bride, A Few Good Men. Yep. Uh, fucking When Harry Met Sally, which, you know, yeah. what, however you feel about that movie, it's still like that is a milestone movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? No, I mean, that's, that's he's one of these people who I, you know, actually, now I'm, fuck it, I'm going to own it. I think he's in a certain way kind of like Michael Curtiz, the director of all the, a lot of those swashbucklers in Casablanca okay. were like not really appreciated in his time. I mean, yeah. he's appreciated. He's his movies make money and people yeah. people like his movies, but he's not one of those people who you think of as a great American director. Yeah, I mean, the problem I think though is that he had is that the counter argument to him being a great filmmaker is if you don't if you ignore those like five masterpieces. He's done a ton of bullshit. He's done some some like he yeah. went on to be like a very generic bad yeah. director at some point. Yeah, that's but yeah, you know that's still at least four more than four more high quality films than than most. Oh yeah, who make a living in Hollywood get. Oh absolutely. I mean yeah. I mean the record is stand like he's Hall of Fame status. Yeah. I mean he's not Kubrick. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely not. But it's sort of like grudgingly you got to say like he's amazing and it's the direct his direction on uh princess bride is outstanding oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah it's so and you can and what's funny is you can tell that he was it's clearly a low budget movie mm -hmm. or like a you know he doesn't have a lot of re infinite resources right and you can tell like there's like there's not a lot of it feels like there's scenes where it feels like there should be like more um more actors in it like there should be bigger you know, there's never like that Spartacus, like there's a million guys. <laughs> yeah. And this, no. 
you know, like wedding scene in particular, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's thinking, all like close-ups and yes. And there's like the one scene where there's like people walking through the courtyard. And mm-hmm. then there's when when she when she's introduced, here she is, buttercup, and she walks through. Yeah, yeah. She walks in, and you can see the crowd. And it's funny, I, I didn't do this, but I'll bet if you freeze framed it, it would be the exact same actors that are in the nightmare scene. The boo, boo, you oh. had true love. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It, it might even be the same shots. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think was, they probably did. The, they probably filmed that like right after each other. Yeah, she, yeah. You know, she maybe she changed her dress or something. Right, right. Um, but so you can tell, like, it's you can tell it's kind of constrained and limited. In that, you know, like, and I was saying, like, as the end of the movie, it ends very well, perfect. Like the 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 story part of the story mm-hmm. ends beautifully. Like them like riding off on these four horses, and you don't need more. But I was thinking, like, because the only action scene in the movie really is the sword fighting thing that happens in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So it feels a little bit unsatisfying in a way because it sets because it's such a good action scene that mm-hmm. you expect that there would be another action scene at you know at the end there's not yeah. really there's sort of the scene but it's pretty anticlimactic between um the six-fingered man and and Anita yeah Koyo. yeah he I mean, gets stabbed in the gut so fast it's not like a great action sword fight no it's great storytelling yeah yeah because it's so because it, it it is so like edge of your seat kind of moment you're like mm-hmm. no like after all this like he's the, he, the yeah. treachery and and well, yeah it's a lot of anti-climax because yeah. the um you also expect i mean i still even this time even though i knew everything yeah. i still expected a, a, some kind of sword fight between uh humperdinck and and wesley yeah, and but it just nope. goes into, into this other he interesting. Just, he just sits down. He was sitting <laughs> which again is interesting story. Which is a perfectly act like he lifts up the the back of it. Yeah. It's like this is so I hadn't noticed it before. It's this little like dweeby little dorky little like yes sir kind yeah. of moment. Well, also, and you see like because you see his cowardice because like uh, yeah, yeah, Buttercup yeah. has called him a coward and stuff. Right. You know, I would before. not say such things if I were you. Yeah. But then you know, yeah, he is a coward, and it, yeah. you know, it is true. She's she saw him for what he was, mm. you know, and despite everything, um, and then again, it shows her her she is active, but it's all interior. Mm-hmm. She is brave, and she does see, but within everything. constraint, yeah, within severe yeah. constraints, yeah, um, which is well, again, like you know, why I like her so much. But yeah, the. Uh, and it would have been easy in terms of storytelling. As I was saying about this watching Captain Blood, um, it would have been very easy to have a final fight scene, like in a way, like to conceive of it. Um, inconceivable. No, because <laughs> uh, then, so they, they go off on their horses and he's going off to his pirate ship, presumably. Mm-hmm. And they have all these other ships. You could just had like a big- You sure uh, about that? What do you mean? You sure, you sure Wesley's going to his pirate ship? Well, I mean, I'm saying he could. Yeah, yeah, okay. This is what I'm saying you could do. Then they go to the pirate ship, and all the pirates on the ship, and then the other ships have to go out, and then there's a big pirate ship battle. You know, I mean, that's easy to conceive of, and then you have this big action scene at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? You know, I mean, probably if they're dealing with limited resources, 
And yeah, in fact, what I, just, what I just realized is I don't think anybody else is on his on the on his ship, on Wesley's no. ship. No, <laughs> it's yeah. just him. It's just him sailing this thing. Yeah. He doesn't have he does not have a crew. <laughs> no, it's funny. I mean, he says that there's like his ship is waiting for him by the fire swamp, I think. I think they but, say that. But or, like he's chasing them when they're going through the with the Yeah, he's by himself. And there's no one else on that thing. You're right. Yeah. I mean, was, I think that he's in that boat by himself, but then, like, the rest of his pirates okay, are on that's another the, that's boat. It. Yeah, all right, all right. And they're supposed to be picking them up. I was going to say, that is some budget constraints. They yeah. couldn't have a, a crew guy just kind of, you know, like, pull on some ropes. Well, and it's, I mean, it, it makes the story tighter, too. Yeah, yeah. Then you just have one guy. You don't have to have, like, him. You don't have, you don't have to explain these other guys. Like, where, right. where are they going? So you just have right. one guy. And also it shows that he's a really good captain and very capable and all those things, you know. Um, we're gonna drop in about six minutes. We can do another one. Or, okay. Yeah. Um uh, so it's and that's sort of the I, so you could do that, but I think at the ending where it is just story, it is it and it does feel kind of it's a little disappointing in one way. Because today, you just you know, a CGI battle would happen. You know, it'd be like Derigor, and it'd be boring. And it's you know what you ex- expect. And it's kind of nice that the story wraps up in this very storytelling way, this narrative mm-hmm. way. And it's like there's this cleverness about he wins with cleverness, yeah. and and uh, it's also it's also kind of a, a a warping of the traditional fairy tale too. What do you mean? Well, because I think I said this a little bit ago, but like in the traditional fairy tales from 17th, whatever, Renaissance, um, the bulk of the stories are somebody becoming king who was wrongly dethroned or whatever, or somebody going from poverty to wealth. Yeah. And he makes his wealth off screen. And they are not going to rule Florin or no. Florin. Like, they're just going off to live their best lives. He's not even going to be a pirate anymore. No, no just going to be a, uh, a little farm or something. Be, be the perfect, most annoyingly beautiful couple in the history yeah. of the world. Yeah. Well, you know, um, yeah. what do you call that? You up? know, which I, I like as a, both as a kind of a, a twist, yeah. but also as a, as, like story craftsmanship, craftspersonship yeah. or whatever. Uh, and also pushing back against the Diriger CGI. Yeah. Well whatever. it predates CGI. And yeah, but, of course. But you know what's and this but this is this the sword fight holds up so well. And and all of the special effects that are in the movie, everything visually about it. All the exciting things, the things that are supposed to be exciting are still exciting. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the, the climbing up the rope of the, the cliff, because they actually yeah, have a yeah. guy climbing up a rope. <laughs> I mean, you see it and it's like, wow, it looks so cool. Yeah. Or, you know, when they have like Andre the Giant and clearly you can tell like it's like the it it's dummies. Like, you know, the, the mm-hmm. dress has nothing underneath <laughs> yeah. it and stuff. Well, that, that wasn't even him because apparently he yeah. hurt his back. Um, yeah. He, yeah. So, Exactly. But yeah, yeah, I know. It's I mean, he's even when it's like 
the close-ups. He's not moving nearly as fast as the guy. Oh, the no. Other guy. no, but it's, it's still effective, you know, and, mm. and this, yeah, the sword fight is so great. Yeah. Like even, and I remembered the, I was, I was sort of, cause I remembered the, the, the part where he does the acrobatic flip mm. and land I rem- that was so I remember that being so great in my memory and I was like gearing up like it's not gonna be as great as you remember <laughs> this is gonna be so there's something about it that will not <clears throat> right. be all there right um he'll, he'll stumble or or whatever or yeah, it'll no. be a weird I expect like a weird edit some trickery yeah yeah uh, like it'll be like some weird cut that I know that now I I'm looking for it but no it, mm. it really it's still great and it's all like in one take and there is a cut because the guy lands it and it's fucking amazing. It's clearly a stunt man, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, then, yeah, yeah. We can't yeah. we can't expect too much of Carrie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's fine. But still, there's a guy doing it, you know. And mm. then then like the cut is then him just. It's actually a great cut. It's a great yeah. little. It's great editing because then he stands up to his full height, and it's him again. And you're like, and then he goes, "Who are you?" I must know. <laughs> no one of consequence. Yeah. I, and you get used again. to disappointment which is another genius <laughs> i know all of it all of it yeah. so you i remember every line of dialogue in this movie and so yeah. one of my know. friends in high school still said and I, I i every once in a while i think i think he might be right that the line life is pain highness anything anyone who says differently is selling something that yeah. that might be one of the smartest lines in the history of film yeah it's really good you know, you know it's like i've been uh but it was, he said, like, I've been in, like, Manny, I watched a little interview with Manny Patinkin, and he said his favorite line in the movie was not the, I am in, you know, you killed my father or whatever. It's, um, I've been in the revenge business for so long, now I don't know what to do with the rest of my life. <laughs> and it's, yeah, again, it's beautiful. It's yeah, yeah. Like, and then the response is perfect. He'd make a wonderful Judd Pirate Roberts. Oh, yeah. I mean, he but he doesn't cool. answer. But he doesn't answer. He just thinks about it. He thinks about it. I think he I think he'll do it. I think he'll do it. But he yeah. thinks that he doesn't say like, oh hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let, me, yeah. let me get into more sword fights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean it's and again it's uh that's you know it's great they become friends, you know, because mm-hmm. it's a thing that you want to happen. Like it's very <laughs> emotionally satisfying. Yeah, yeah. It's because you you know, you like them at first, you like the two bad guys, Fezzik and, and Dingo. And then, you know, it's sort of like they fight fair for some reason. <laughs> yeah. They're not bad guys. You know, it's like, no, no, no. They're just, you know, they have a job to do. They're just, yeah. This is, I mean, this is, which is a nice kind of callback to some of the ways that, like, the great, um, like, Basil, Rath- the Basil Rathbone, Errol Flynn, like, Captain Blood and all. Yeah. Like, they- they're clearly enjoying themselves <laughs> and the characters yeah, yeah. are you know they're meant to be like haha i got one over on you right yeah like, it's not it's not hatred <laughs> no there's some kind of respect and you know mm. you want them to be you want you know sometimes you like the bad guys you know you yeah, want yeah, them yeah. to be like be the good guys like it's like right. a child like a that's a child thing <laughs> i feel right, like right. it's satisfying to see it happen mm. you know even and I think it's kind of rare for that to happen in a movie, to be honest. You know, especially Hollywood. Yeah. Especially a Hollywood movies, and so it's so satisfying to see this and see it all kind of come together. And it does, it does that. It also does that kind of um, Wizard of Oz thing, where it's sort of like 
all of you, you think that you lack these things, but in the course of the story, we'll show that you're capable of all these things. Everything that Vizini says to put the two guys down are proven to be wrong over the course of the story. Mm-hmm. And even his claim to be so smart, that's proven to be wrong. Yeah, no, well, yeah. It's a given. It's somebody who asserts their intelligence so much yeah yeah is never going to be intelligent you know yeah no matter well, yeah. how no matter how much they want to say that they're a very stable genius <laughs> the um and his scene where the i don't know what do you call it the debate duel the poison scene yeah, yeah. oh it's incredible it's, yeah. it's, it's so wonderful <laughs> and his whole thing his What's that? Actually, you know, you know I, I remember noticing this before. There's great. So I smell nothing, right? He hands him the Iocane powder. Yeah. The thing with it. What you do not smell is blah, blah, blah. And he goes into it. Yeah. And then when Humperdinck is tracking them, he smells and said, it's Iocane. It's Iocane powder. I'll bet my life on it. Thing that's a little bit underdeveloped, but I do like it that his whole trying to set off a war with the other place, which is. Elder, yeah. Yeah, and that I mean that's it'd be interesting to know. It might be cool to know why he wants to do that, like what he stands to gain from it. Well, that you need the original text, not yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you need not the, not just the good parts. Yeah, you need the original Morgenstern, whatever <laughs> the thing's name is. The uh, oh yeah, also in the book because I think yeah the in the anniversary edition of the book, uh, people you know I guess people wanted to do a sequel and have been for a while so instead he does like this meta thing where like yeah morgan stern did write a sequel but i couldn't get the rights to it because it turns out that you know who else is uh uh from who's has ancestors from florin stephen king stephen king <laughs> has the rights to the book and he really likes the original morgan stern and he's not giving it to me yeah. after i did this hatchet job yeah yeah he's really mad at me about this yeah <laughs> That's it, because as he, because Goldman, I think, wrote the screenplay for Misery. Ah, which I think also Rob Reiner directed. Yeah, I think he yeah. did. Yeah, also I a think, really good movie. I haven't seen, seen it, it forever. I, I want. I, I remember thinking it was amazing. I yeah. haven't watched it in fifteen years, twenty years. But. Yeah, I have to watch. I want to watch it. I'm sure it's great. I like Kathy Bates a lot, mm-hmm. and R.I.P. James, James Con is awesome. Yeah, yeah. the um. But yeah, so the yeah the sword fight is very satisfying. The, but that yeah it does kind of set the movie up a little bit for a fall because you expect another action thing, and then yeah. like Andre the Andre the Giant fight, so I guess he was physically not in a good place. Yeah, so it, that you feel like could have been a little bit. It had yeah, but the dialogue. I mean, like every, it's hard to say whether the jewel of the story itself like this very polished jewel of the story itself drives more than some of the just brilliant dialogue or where the dialogue drives the jewel of a story. But the the dialogue in that fight scene is hysterical. Yeah. Where he's getting, Wesley's getting his back smashed. Why do you think? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm used to fighting. I can't do it on the giant. Yeah, no, no, don't try. Yeah, somebody went to Sean Connery. <laughs> I know, yeah, because I can't. I'm trying to just <coughs> the my like a a depth of throat that would be physically yeah. impossible. I think you need to. I need, think you need to speak from somewhere below your 
got yeah yeah get all that reverb yeah yeah i watched that the andre the giant documentary and you know who does a surprisingly good uh, impression of andre the giant is hulk hogan he actually like not not the name i thought you were going to say no no he he's a surprisingly gifted mimic because he did andre in the documentary he did andre the giant's voice and he just slipped casually into uh, Randy Macho Man Savage's voice too, you know. And I guess Andre the Giant hated Randy Macho Man Savage, which is a very funny thing. <laughs> to find out. Uh, but um, yeah, he and yeah, it's just all this s- stuff is it all just adds up, and it's all so good. And it, but I, you know, oh yeah. So one thing I was gonna say is that I think. It, I don't know if it's a swashbuckling movie in a way. I think it has some it has some signposts of it, clearly like with the how Carrie always looks and acts and the way they're dressed too. Yeah. The the costuming, you know, that's a very throwbacky yeah. thing, which is nice and very charming. But you know, you can tell like t- like uh, they were today, like compared to like Game of Thrones, like the, the costumery or whatever, like Game yeah, of Thrones. Yeah. It's more practical and like stuff like, like the um, the suede boots with a little bit of fringe on the top. Of it, <laughs> you know, like you know, that's that's just like what you wore in a Robin Hood movie in the '40s, right. and right. that's what you're wearing in this movie in the '80s. That's not right. there's not like a, you don't actually go into battle with that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's kind of that's kind of, but that's I think that's supposed to be. Del- I don't know how much of a how conscious of a callback that is it might just be like they just assume oh that's whatever he wears in these kind of movies. Uh, no i i i mean <laughs> this is where I, I think the pomo side is i think they're making these callbacks on purpose yeah you know i mean rob reiner is what he's about my my dad's age his dad his father was carl reiner, reiner so he grew yeah. up in hollywood you know yeah he knows this stuff he grew up on that stuff you know, yeah. that's how I wound up getting into the, all those Errol Flynn movies. My dad would make me watch them. Right. <laughs> Eventually, yeah. I, I just got into them myself. Yeah. Because, I mean, again, you're more conversant with these than I am. Because I I watch, I've only seen uh, uh, Captain Blood and about half of sea, um, the Seahawk. Okay. And uh, so. And the really most- classic ones are those two and, and the Robin Hood. Yeah, yeah. Everything else is yeah, well yeah. it's like Robin's a requirement. Yeah. yeah. it's fantastic. Yeah. Um but, but those are like the high water mark and then everything else is a little not so good. Yeah, okay. It's good to know. Because it seemed like most of the hallmarks were not present in Princess Bride. It seems to be a different kind of story they were telling. Yeah. I think it's a I, I do think it's a um it's a fairy tale. It is a fairy tale, you know, yeah. with twists that are different from like the "let's do it according to the rules," the genre, the generic rules. Yeah. Um, but it, but it has those elements. I mean, you know, part of the reason I say it's a jewel of a story is that my dad, uh, I when I was a little kid, my dad told these Sir Jamie and Sir Jamie stories, and told my brothers Sir Robbie stories, and yeah, that kind of. And my sister got Lady Maggie stories. So, like, you know, and feels like that kind of stuff and that and that, that was the genesis of it actually oh um, yeah of course i mean yeah, like, no, william, yeah william goldman had some daughters and uh, uh one of them wanted to hear a story about 
a princess, so they wanted to hear a story about a bride. So he ate that's, a story called the princess. That's the title. Bride. That's how we got. Yeah. <laughs> got to keep him happy. Isn't that wonderful, though? Gotta, I mean, because to play to the audience, man. I know, but it also just feel like, oh no, princess bride, and and you yeah, don't really think about it. As, no. <laughs> Yeah. Like, oh yeah. What was okay? What's and it? she's not a princess until she's a bride. So yeah. Like, I mean, it doesn't make which sense. word is qualifying which? But it but it makes like an emotional sense. <laughs> it makes perfect emotional sense. You know. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, and yeah. it just elides reasoning. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So, no. I mean, so... I I never once thought about that. I didn't. And so, yeah. Me either. <laughs> so, like last week when I read this like offhand thing where you said like yeah. <clears throat> My, one of my daughters wanted this and one wanted yeah, that. And so, yeah. You know, what if one wanted like a, you know, one dragon, wanted, like, yeah, like a princess dragon a, bride. <laughs> yeah, a, a pony and a Nintendo. So get a Nintendo <laughs> pony. You know, instead we got princess. <laughs> but yeah, but it has that. But it has that. You're absolutely right. It is the sort of story that somebody tells to someone they love. Yeah. Or just tell or tells, you know, you say yeah, it. Yeah. And they're kind of making it up as they go along. Making it along, but also you're pulling on, but to do that, you have to, and to make it a story that will resonate, you have to kind of like pull onto these things that are you find to be true. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. It, not to be like, not to get like, it's like Carl Jung and all that bullshit, but it's sort of like but the archetypes or the truth. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, you got yeah. these like story archetypes, and you got these yeah. like things, and you got to like you need you need your rosy fingered dawns. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to talk this about like... the Iliad too, because like I said, like in our correspondence. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I read, I just re. If you haven't read it, you got to read the War Nerd Iliad, man. That's a fun, really? right. fun fucking book, man. Yeah, uh, and it's just and that, the good parts. It's just the good parts. He just takes the Iliad <laughs> and gives it yeah, just the good parts, and but just he also. The killing. What's that? Just the killing. Yeah, just the killing. But but not just that, because the good parts of it are also like Hector under you know his understanding that he is fated to do what he must because this mm. is the God wills. This is what the gods will. And even though Par- it's really Paris is fuck up, and he you know, and he's a cowardly guy. It's like, well, this is I gotta do this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there is, and and that is also very like emotionally true. Like that, all the that. Whole- sh- well, I mean, I think in a lot of ways, Hector is the real hero. I, I mean, oh, I, don't think yeah. I don't think I'm alone in this in any way. But no question but I've always about that. The closing line of the Iliad is just. Oh yeah, and that is how uh, how dies Hector, the best of men. Yeah, or no, tamer I mean, of horses, depending on your translation, apparently. Oh, he's the best of men to me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, I was, I was just. Uh, yeah, he's and then you have you know Odysseus, and then you have like you know you have fucking um who the asshole the uh, Menelaus is that is he the asshole king? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And but then you know you have like Odysseus who's kind of he's fucking cool, but he's cool and like kind of cunning and he's kind of smart. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know? And he's the only one who's who's you know, smart enough who can see the gods. You know, he's the only one who has that that third eye. You know, that <laughs> that ability to see. Um, That's why they have to punish him. Yeah, but that's an oral story. Because yeah, yeah. it wasn't really a Homer. That was just a story that was like told at campfires to entertain yeah. people. And yeah, you do yeah, have yeah. all and you have all the uh the boring shit, which you can cut out because a lot of it is like it's like the fucking Bible, you know, like it's like 
and this guy was here from this town and this guy was yeah, yeah, yeah. Town, and this guy was and was, you can cut that all out because it was this it was like professional wrestling because he wanted to get a pop out of the crowd because he'd be right. like and from cleveland we have you know we have but it's also i mean it is also a source of, of our knowledge of some of the myths aside from like hesia because like some of you know the the story the the kind of other myths not just the story of the iliad are packed in there as well yeah 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 and it's but that in oh and like i said like is the fictional like the princess bride book and the movie is like this idea that well it's it's really not in the movie at all but it's in the book this idea that there was this other text with all this other shit and you cut mm -hmm. it down until it's just the good parts and then the war nerd iliad is actually what that would be like in real life like that, all right yeah and now that I'm in Turkey, I've been to Troy now. So have you really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. pretty cool. I I geeked out like such a dork. You know, I only read. You know, I it, it really made my that rereading that really rang my bell. Like, because uh, I was just like, was there where were you know what was there an ancient city of Troy, like an ancient walled city? Yeah. And we, how much of this happened? You know, and, and well, I mean, who? It, I mean, it. You, it, you, it <laughs> You don't know it, it was it was burned down and rebuilt. There's like four or five cities there, yeah. apparently. I guess um, they did an excavation of it in the 60s or 70s, and they're like, Well, we think starting in the early 20th century. Oh, really? And it's still it's still going on. You know, yeah, they haven't they haven't quite figured out everything. Yeah. Um but the, yeah, the no, I totally geeked out where I was like, Oh my god, that's where Hector died. Really? <laughs> I, I would love to go there, man. Yeah, Just for that. Cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, fuck Achilles. No, <laughs> fuck that guy. No, Achilles is okay too. That's the thing. Yeah, that's yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's that's what makes it a great, great work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And one it's, of many I, things. But... I mean, and the Princess Bride is not at the level of the Iliad. No. <laughs> but <laughs> but there's a way like, to pull it back. I know, I know. It, you know, but it is like. There's something there. There's something that's yeah. there's connective tissue, you know. There's yeah. something about well, it. Well, he's like, pulling. He's pulling on those tropes. So, you know, yeah. exactly like you said, the kind of thing that you'll tell a kid when you're like, uh, "Okay, what happens next?" And well, uh, not just what happens next, but how? How can I make? How? How can I be exciting with words? How can I yeah, be exciting? Yeah. Like I don't have that much. I have my voice. I have my words. And I have this thing, and I really yeah. want to keep this person engaged, and I really want them to feel something yeah. so you know wanna... which is which is also the origin of fairy tales too yeah. i mean it's it's stories that people told each other yeah and, yeah yeah. you know illiterate people so it's, there wasn't writing yeah oh that's what i was saying about because it was like with homer because there's no homer but he right. might have been like a hans christian anderson guy because like but even in what we call ancient rome now ancient greece rather even at those times of antiquity that was an old story like the yeah. Iliad was an old, old, it was an ancient story. It's ancient a story. fundamental, yeah. Hesiod yeah. and Homer are the foundations for yeah. ancient Greek culture. Yeah. But so, the, but like, there wasn't like literally like a Homer. It was by some, somebody collected some version of the story and some tellings of it and, you mm -hmm. know, kind of made it into something. And it was already like a mishmash of things. But there's always, oh, yeah. You know, it's the emotional truth was. Although the, the Odyssey, I think, is a, there's a little bit more known about it. The Iliad is, right? is, yeah, I think the Iliad is 
kind of a mishmash of a bunch of different stories that were yeah. floating around about Troy. But the the Odyssey, there's a bit more coherence to it. Okay. Um, I, and linguistically, I think. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm I'm really out of my depths with some of that. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't know. You know, my dad. My dad knows all about this shit. <laughs> he was like a classics major. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so he'll. Like, because I just reread the Odyssey too, and I was reading the translator's introduction a little oh, bit, yeah? and there there was something in there about how like, I mean, speaking of framing and yeah. people telling stories through, I mean, that's that's the Odyssey, right? I mean, the Odyssey yeah. half the book is Odysseus telling the story. Oh, is it of where? Yeah, of where he's been for the last twelve, nine, nine, ten, eleven years, whatever it is. Yeah. Now you, um, I mean, you're. I'm glad you made this point early on, and you're absolutely correct in it. That you know what we understand, what we talk, the, the way we talk about postmodernism, and say, saying things are postmodern is just totally wrong. Often, yeah. And you know, yeah. it's like based, you know, because all the it's like, well, it's kind of breaking the fourth wall. It's kind of doing, you know, it's sort of a story within a story, the framing of it. But it's all like, none of this stuff is new. No, <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> no, and you know, I, I. Okay, I'm going to assume that Goldman, he, he was a writing major, English major or something like that. None yeah. of the none of the kind of classic names of postmodern literature would have been ignorant of that. Kathy Acker yeah. knows exactly what she's doing, you know, yeah. especially when she's stealing stuff from Don Quixote, like one of the most pomo, like that's all over the place. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. The, um, but yeah, so the, but I do think it is a little bit of a, I think he was a little bit of afraid of how the jewel of the story that he had. I really think he didn't, I didn't think that he trusted himself with it. I don't think he trusted himself just to tell it as this mm. story. And, and you think we're a little bit more open to that in a post Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, Pirates yeah, of the Caribbean so. kind of world? I think we accept the fantasy element of it easier. Mm -hmm. That goes down pretty smoothly for one mm -hmm. thing, but also just reading the book because there it, it comes to us a little bit lazy, you know, just which at the time, I think probably it seemed it popped really hard. Mm -hmm. you know? I, and I think there's a similarity because I was just, because I was thinking about this too. It's like, um, I was thinking about how much I did. I didn't like reading, um, catcher in the rye when i was a kid even though everybody told me i would like it and i and i and i realized recently it's like when this book came out there was probably nothing like it there's probably never a character yes. that talked like this but then afterward <coughs> okay. it was so influential like every book that came it, out it loses after. its yeah yeah okay. and then you go back to it and you're like oh this is well there's nothing special about this and right. so but then like um so i think when you're when you're reading uh, uh when i'm reading princess bride a very casual tone and it feels very first drafty and very direct. And I think that at the time, that was novel. That mm -hmm. was new. But now mm -hmm. you're like, we've seen, I, we've, we, the internet has given us much more access to first drafts. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. And there's and, also like, you know, there's somebody like, um, what's his name? Infinite Jest, David Foster Wallace. Uh, who's, yeah. You know, uh, but I mean, I, I actually think that's a phenomenal book. I think he's a phenomenal writer. Oh, yeah, he, I agree. Like, he's not going to feel, he might feel dated, but he's not going to feel dated like this. Right, yeah. 
I mean, the one, the other, because the, the other, like, it, it sort of reminded me a little bit of like, um, I talked I talk to you about this via text, like of uh, Nabokov's Pale Fire. I don't know if mm-hmm. you ever read that one. I've been afraid to. It's re- it's awesome. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. It's so I good. I've been rereading it. You've been telling me this for years, but I've been afraid to for years. So. Really? Oh, it's so yeah. good. it starts off with it start it starts off like with this poem. Well, there's a little introduction thing. Then there's this poem that goes on for a couple of pages, and it's a deliberately shitty poem. Like it's like fucking um, who's the uh, Frost? It's like a Robert Frost. Uh-huh. It's like a piss take on Robert Frost. <laughs> And it sucks because like all like every line kind of rhymes, but a lot of it in a stupid way. And the meter uh-huh. is like so like da 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 da. But you know, it's like a really good writer. Just the whole time, right? Right. It's a, one of the greatest writers of all time. Deliberately writing a bad poem to to show how to to say fuck you, Robert Frost. <laughs> And and really fuck you to a lot of like what was then contemporary literature, right? Know, yeah. The and then, and then like the rest of the book is like supposed to be the annotations of an explanation of this poem by this <laughs> the guy who stole it, and and he's this insane, he's this insane like guy European guy who might be an exiled king, definitely a, a very annoying. Uh, uh, maybe predatory like homosexual guy too and he's like telling this whole st- and there's nothing in his interpretation of his bad poem wildly nothing to do with it like the poem is about like you know this guy's life which and it's kind of like in in the poem it's deflating because he's like telling the story of his life and he's like all these and he's like spends all this time about like physical maladies he suffered as a kid and then at the end of that part he's like yeah and the doctor said i i just had hypochondria really you know and it's and so the whole the whole poem is like okay you're just a shitty boring guy right yeah one thing like like his daughter committed suicide which he talks about so there's that and then you know then there's other stuff but then in the annotated interpretation of the poem like the stuff that's clearly autobiographical like his Mm -hmm. daughter's suicide all that stuff but the guy's like oh no this is about my the the kingdom of zembia where all this stuff happened and i wasn't and it's incredible. It's just an incredible book. Like I, I told you, it made me like feel like I shouldn't write anymore because it was so good. And like yeah. the levels of stuff he's doing, like realizing that the guy who wrote this shitty fucking poem and the guy who's writing this other crazy commentary are the same guy. And just the the approach to language and and stuff. I'm like, like there's there's a you know yeah, it's not living. fair. Yeah, I write for a living, and there's another. A whole thing that's like out of my reach yeah, so, yeah. And, you know i'm never gonna come close to this shit like it was you know it, you know i mean i i and whereas i went right from reading the princess bride where i'm like it's a little lazy a little bit <laughs> yeah right where he's where for, formally he's doing very similar things yeah and it's there's a similarity to it but there's a but also like the reason that that is ha- it's that that is happening in the Princess Bride is it seems like he's hesitant to tell this story, and he mm. really has to do all this like almost like a throat clearing exercise to tell it. Mm. Whereas Nabokov had an agenda, 
mm-hmm. and he he wanted to you know say fuck you to literature mm-hmm. uh, and you know this this but do it really artfully you know mm-hmm. um and so it made princess bride seem lightweight by comparison uh, uh but obvious obviously it will that's un- it's all unfair. Yeah, that's not a fair. I mean, a, you know. Yeah, it's not fair at all. But also, but I think it was il- illustrative of how this could probably have just been a little fairy tale book that you could have written. You know, and you don't yeah. need all this other stuff. I wonder. I wonder, and I, that's what I think. Like, I I love Peter Falk as a narrator in the movie. Mm-hmm. I want. I would love to have that. His beautiful, beautiful voice, and uh, just have that still. And um but you would you would you would miss him telling the grandson to shut up. Which... Yeah, it's true. That's true. But also I, I think I when there's that scene in the beginning, that beautiful lyrical shot of them holding hands and staring into each other's eyes. And then mm-hmm. it, it wouldn't cut to the bedroom to deflate it like is this a kissing book thing? I don't know if I need that. Yeah. I didn't, okay, okay. It it, it, it is jarring, but it makes. But I still kind of, you know, the twelve year old in me still laughs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's funny, and it's good. I mean, it's funny that because it is this fairy tale, and I called it a comedy, and I was describing it, and there are funny moments, but it doesn't. I think that like, it's comic, the, but it's not a comedy. Yeah, you you almost expect it to be a parody. I think. Or, yeah, yeah, no, no, that that's I think what sets it apart from what I th- thought. Like when I see Pomo in yeah. in like trade press or whatever, it almost don't. It almost always means parody. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, like dude, you're not. No, no, that's not what. Whatever, you know. Yeah, you gotta you gotta see in your English lit class, and... <laughs> or or you're under a deadline and you're. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just he, that was the word that came to mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no. In no way is it a parody. It's not. Oh. It's comic. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, partly because it and it's comic. Partly because there's these moments where, like, of course, this is an absurd story. And in that way, it's not different from Errol Flynn. Errol Flynn is always laughing and like winking yeah. and like make, not directly at the camera. Right. But he's always like <laughs> you can almost like see him going like I cannot believe I get to do this for a living. This yeah. is hysterical. Yeah, no, it's great. And then yeah, yeah. There is a slight remove from it that makes it it doesn't feel like he's he's breaking the fourth wall or that he's like saying like the you know, this isn't happening, but it seems almost like he is so heroic. That he doesn't yeah. even have to take the situation that serious. No, yeah. yeah. Like I, you know, I'm <laughs> you. This doesn't bug me at all. You know, uh, the cannons are being fired at. Me. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. And it's cool. Good That's times. Because those movies came out during the Great Depression, you know. And yeah, towards the end. Yeah, more or less. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At least a chunk of them. Yeah. Well, I think, I think a Captain well, Blood the- is like thirty-five. Oh, okay. I didn't realize it was that early. Yeah. Okay. There's five years between that one and the Sea Hawk. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of and the and the the thing I read was like they're trying to show an un this is a quote unvanquished man, and, and that's what to to 
for audiences in the Great Depression. You know, like this guy that, mm. you know, this shit hasn't gotten to him. You know, it's, it, while, while, you know, an undespairing person, a person without despair. Just so, it's the, so it's the adult version of um, Shirley Temple movies, then. What do you, in what sense? Well, the, all her rags to riches stories when she was a kid. Oh, yeah. Those were all like, those were huge hits yeah. in the middle of the Depression. Yeah. Well, yeah, hope, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm hopeful. It's nice. So, um, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes you should be angry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all right. It's, no, it's, it's nice to have. I don't think there's anything wrong with like a little bit of hopeful stories and stuff. Oh. All right, so let's let's stop. Let's stop talking. Let's okay. close that. So, what's your closing thought on uh, Princess Bride? Um, I mean, I think I, I think I, I'm still not 100 percent convinced that that the framing device isn't is kind of tacked on or distracting. Yeah. Um, but the more I think about it, the more I think it's a it's a very interesting. First of all, it is a well cried the story proper is an incredibly well-crafted story and incredibly well-written and acted and directed and framed and shot and things like that. But at every moment it's doing really interesting series of layers of reference and playing with its own heritage, which, which is why I, which is why I still like the framing because at the end of the day, that heritage is parents telling stories to their kids yeah yeah but i think you could have that effect just no i don't know i wonder i wonder if you could have that effect just by telling the story because you know you can have like because it's because yeah. the, the meta narrative the larger in a way like the meta narrative is like breaking down this boy's um you know cynicism and resistance to hearing this story and mm-hmm. then him kind of getting more and more engaged with the story as it goes on yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, just, you know, and you see that and you're like, well, that would just kind of happen when watching a movie. Like, if you're in a crowded movie theater, you know, like, um, and that's what you kind of lose when you don't see movies in a theater, when you just watch them by yourself a little bit. It's, you know, like, sometimes people will talk in the first 10 minutes of the movie, but if it's a good movie, they stop talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, kind of gets there. This this is the sort of stuff that made um, Walter Benjamin think that and uh yeah walter benjamin say that films had um the potential for revolution for starting oh, yeah. revolutions yeah because he was thinking of animal house specifically <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah all right man look i'm gonna let you go uh it was great talking to you i really appreciate yeah, it man. yeah thanks for having me again oh of course it's a, let's figure out another thing we can land on like uh maybe we'll do the um Oh, we didn't even talk about that Danny Kay movie that you like. Oh yeah. Okay, maybe. Well, yeah, maybe I'll try to watch because <laughs> I because re- I rewatch it and I really enjoy it. But but you were right that it requires a certain state of mind to get there. Yeah. I, the, the singing was a real. Um... I know, I know. But the by the way, the sword fight in there with ba- yeah. with Basil Rathbone is incredible. Oh, yeah. Absolutely amazing. Oh yeah, and the, the last thing I wanted to say about Captain Blood was mm. I was is that where the the thing where Mon Capitan is that from that? I think so. Yeah, I, I must be right because he says like Mon Capitan and like 
you hear that as a ref, and I didn't even think it was a reference. It's thought someone people said, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think yeah, I think it does come back to that. <laughs> yeah, and it was so memorable. I don't know, it was great. All right, well, well au revoir. Au revoir, mon capitaine. 